Hi. I'm Randy. And I'm Claire. And you're listening to Killer Vibes, a true crime podcast. Okay. So excited. <laughs> Can't contain myself. Must start talking now. Okay. Okay. So today <laughs> I'm going to tell you about the murders of Nicole Brown Simpson, Ronald Goldman, and the trial of the century. The People versus O.J. Simpson. Woohoo! <laughs> I'm so excited. And I would have done it earlier, but I had this presumption that everyone knew everything about it until I was talking to my boyfriend and he was like, I actually don't know anything about it. And I was like, really? And then I asked my mom, I was talking to her about it, and she was like, well, it's been so long that I've actually forgotten a lot of stuff. So Great. hopefully I won't be repeating everything everyone knows and maybe you'll <laughs> learn something learn new. Learn some new stuff. Or just be like reminded of something you forgot about. Right, exactly. And I haven't even watched the film or the like TV series or anything like that. So Okay, perfect. Yeah, I have I have a semi clean slate when it comes to knowing information about OJ. So I'm excited. Okay, so before we get started Oh hey Henry. <laughs> you can come in here. What's up? Oh, oh no, he's, he's leaving. Away. Okay. okay. <laughs> before we get started then, let's get Claire's opinion on the case. Okay. I'm gonna keep mine in my head, even though you probably know what it is and um, then at the end we'll see if maybe I've changed your mind or if it alters in any way so lay it on us Claire okay. so I have heard for a really long time just constantly I'm like oh he's guilty so I usually side with that verdict just because that was what was presented to me as like Oh, well, he's just guilty. Right. And, and it's like so many people are saying so that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I remember distinctly watching a documentary about this specific trial in my government class when we were talking about oh. the judicial branch. Yeah. And we watched it was very brief. It was only like 45 minutes long. It was pretty quick. And um, sort of the consensus after the class was over was, oh, wow, it's so obvious that he's guilty. It just seems like a lot of evidence is presented in a very guilty manner, if that makes sense. So for me, I've always had the in the back of my head, oh, he was just guilty and he got off for some stupid reasons, including the media influence and all of these excuses and all this um, which doesn't seem extremely pertinent now that I know a little bit more about the law process and just the way that it, the courts works. I mean, I'm still not an expert. I haven't gone to law school yet, but, um, there are some things about what I perceived the OJ case to be that I'm now questioning, um, especially Excellent. since, yeah, so, <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I don't know. There was just some weird evidence that I'm sure you'll talk about, and we can talk about that then. But yeah, I don't know. Um, but I do remember this weird thing. My mom had a journal that she used to write in when she was pregnant with me, and one of the big things <gasps> that happened was this OJ trial. And it's in there. Yes, it's in the diary. She oh showed it to me. She was, and it just opened up with the date. I don't even remember what it was. She was like, "The People versus OJ Simpson started today." And I, oh yeah, so that I, that's so pretty cool. cool. Yeah, but I have, you know, I've just watched that documentary and I know, I think I've watched like the first episode of that series that came out. That like two, yeah, series? Yeah. yeah, was it four years ago that that came out in 2015? Um, that came out in 2016. So we were freshmen okay. in college. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So I love that you pointed out that you watched a documentary and then you kind of thought he was guilty. Yeah. Because a lot of the documentaries are very guilty leaning. And I personally think... As someone who's been obsessed with this case for a while, that a lot of them 
are really biased towards the verdict that they are supporting. So that mm-hmm. all of what they present to you is like innocent or guilty leaning. So yeah. there's a couple out there that are like innocent, but mostly they're like, he's hella guilty and here's yeah. why. And they just kind of leave out the reasons that he could be innocent. So mm-hmm. I I think it a lot of people's opinions, especially people our age who didn't watch the trial or who haven't personally researched it, just go with the guilty because so many people think he's guilty. But I will present to you the whole case, all the evidence, both sides. Don't worry. I'll present the prosecution (laughs) side, too. Of course she will. Of course I will. And then (laughs) we'll see maybe what you think then. Okay, cool. And then I'll tell you what I think, too. Fabulous. Okay, so first let's talk about OJ a little bit. So he is famous because he was an amazing football player. He began his famed career at the University of Southern California, where he won the Heisman Trophy in 1968. Then he went on to play professionally, setting tons of NFL records, like most touchdowns and most (laughs) running and throwing and stuff like that. Most running. Yeah. I don't don't really know (laughs) the record for most running. I don't understand anything about it, but I do know that it was a lot of records. Some of them remain records today. Some Mm -hmm. have been surpassed, but... He's just like a Hall of Fame football player, and he had a lot of charisma. He was really charming, really attractive, really outgoing, so he had all of the skills on top of the—everyone just loved him. Yeah, he's a personable guy. He is a personable guy. So he retired from football in 1979 and began his career as a sportscaster and an actor. So he's in, like, The Naked Gun is the only movie I've seen that he's in. Yeah. Um, But he's in some movies here and there. I totally forgot he did that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Totally forgot the acting thing. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, like, not only does he have the sports community in love with him, but kind of everyone Mm -hmm. at this point. When he was 19, O.J. married his high school sweetheart, Margaret. And they were married for 12 years, and then they got divorced in 1979. While they were together, they had three kids, Aaron, Arnell, and Jason. If Aaron sounds, like, really unfamiliar to you, like you've never heard of her, it's because she died of an accidental drowning when she was only two. My God. I know. It's really sad. That's really, really tragic. Yeah. Oh, goodness. So then O.J. married Nicole in 1984, and they got divorced in 1992. So Nicole was born in Germany, and she moved here when she was a child. Right out of high school, she started working at an upscale Beverly Hills club called Daisy, where she met O.J., and they kind of had the spark, and he was still married to Margaret, but then they got divorced, and and Nicole and him started dating, Mm -hmm. and they fell like madly in love and got married. Wonderful. So she was a really devoted stay-at-home mom, which I totally love because I feel like a lot of people with a lot of money can just, you know, get nannies and Mm -hmm. not have to, like, not really really, be involved. Yeah. yeah, Or, like, maybe they are, but they don't have, they don't do all the stuff, you know? And she is, like, famous for having no nannies or, like, maybe limited babysitting. Mm -hmm. But she did all the mom stuff herself. Yeah. And then she had a small interior design business on the side. Cool. So that was her life. And she had two kids with OJ, Sydney and Justin. So Ronald Goldman, the other murder victim, he grew up in Chicago and attended Illinois State University. And his ultimate goal was to open a restaurant, but he was working at a Italian restaurant in LA called Mezzaluna. And 
the reason he knows Nicole is Nicole and OJ frequented that restaurant. And then even after they separated, Nicole went there all the time. So he was kind of, it's like a really fancy restaurant. Mm-hmm. So you like know the people who go there all the time. So right. they were friends because he was a waiter there. Yeah. And no one ever remembers him, which is really sad. Yeah. And I'm going to be guilty of it myself because I'm probably not going to mention him again till the end because <laughs> there's so much exciting stuff in this case that it's mm-hmm. hard to like focus on him particularly. So right. I I do feel really bad that everyone always forgets him and just brushes him off to the side because even when, right. first of all, we're all focused on OJ. Right. But even when we do discuss the victims, it's Nicole. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, like... The reason why I always forget about him is just because of the relationship between Nicole and OJ. I mean, they were married. It's this whole deal and right. the drama. And this poor guy always gets pushed to the wayside. I, know. I feel so bad. If you discuss this case with people, maybe just mention him. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to nod. respect him because. Yeah. Because he's not in the story and we're going to ignore no. him too. So, so sorry. Sorry. Okay, let's fast forward to the night of the infamous double, double, I was going to say murder, but then I was going to say homicide, but I started saying murder. Double homicide. The double homicide. (laughs) Woo woo. (laughs) We shouldn't be like, (laughs) woo hoo. Double double homicide. homicide. So exciting. But kind of. But honestly, though, it's really exciting. (laughs) Okay. So, so on June 12th, 1994, at 6.30 p.m., Nicole, her children, her mom, and her sister go to dinner at Mezzaluna, where Ron works. Yes. At 9.15 p.m., pay attention to the timestamps, by the okay. way. Okay, 9.15 p.m. Yes, 9.15 p.m., Nicole's sister calls the Mezzaluna because her mom had left her glasses at the restaurant, and she was just saying, like, did anyone pick them up? Like, are they in the lost and found or something? Just inquiring mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. And then from 9 to 9.30, Brian Cato Kalen, who we'll just call Cato, he's OJ's friend, mm-hmm. and OJ go have dinner at McDonald's. And they arrive back home at 9.45 p.m. And Cato was OJ's friend who was staying in his guest house. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I remember the guest house. Yes. So at 9.50 p.m., Ron Goldman leaves the restaurant with Nicole's mom's glasses and drives them to Nicole's house. Now, Mm. yeah, this is where a lot of the speculation about their relationship comes in because, like, what restaurant does that? Yeah, like, like the staff aren't that friendly. Right. But then also, I mean, he was her friend, so maybe he was just like, oh, well, I'm driving that way anyways. I'll, I'll bring the glasses to Nicole's house. Right. And who knows? Maybe they sort of bonded over the fact that Nicole had her own independent business and he wanted to do something like that. But in the restaurant business, they could have just been friends. Totally. So yeah. I, I'm going to not insinuate anything because I don't know. So at 10.25 p.m., Alan Park, a limo driver who was supposed to pick up O.J. and take him to the airport, arrives at O.J.'s house, and he buzzes O.J.'s intercom several times between 9.40 and 10.55 p.m. with no answer. Okay. Right before 11 p.m., Alan sees a figure walking across the driveway towards O.J.'s house, and he said that the figure was about six feet tall and 200 pounds, which matches O.J. perfectly. Right. At 11 p.m., buzzes the intercom again, and this time, O.J. answers. O.J. tells Alan that he overslept and he was in the shower when the other buzzes were happening, Mm -hmm. and he's like, sorry, man, like, let's go to the airport. So at 11.45, O.J. makes his flight, and he departs to Chicago. 
which was a planned flight. It's not like right. a getaway thing. Like he had this planned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, did, was it like a tour date or something? Or like it was like a set appearance or something like that? It was something for work. Okay. Yeah. So at 10, 10 or not 10, sorry, at 12, 10 a.m., Nicole and Ron are found stabbed to death outside of Nicole's Brentwood townhouse. Goodness. So Nicole's wounds were so severe that she was practically decapitated. Like her head was like not really on very well. Ugh. Like she I, was... I, that is so gross. Sorry. That is, no, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I did Jack the Ripper. We can talk about this. Um, but yeah, no, I just how do you even do that? Like, you know, how could you have the willpower to literally slice through someone's entire neck? I just personally don't think I would be able to do something like that. I'm glad that you don't. Thank you. That you can't. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Me neither. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, well, can you do it? Good for you, Claire. No. <laughs> like, wow, you're just so much better than the rest of us sociopaths out here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um. Yeah, it's it's awful. It was a very vicious attack. Blood, mm-hmm. blood everywhere. Which also could have, like, connected the reason why people, like, thought that she was the targeted victim for a well, while they were because both, of the aggression. They were both very severely attacked. I didn't know that. Tell me about Ron's attack. Tons of stabs. So many stabs. A okay. lot of stabs. Yeah. Okay. They were both like severely attacked. It was just like a different version of severe. Yeah. She it just happened to there's a quote about her head that it was practically decapitated. Right. <laughs> so yeah. that's the only reason I said that. Also, I forgot to say this at the beginning. I'm getting like 90% of this from the book The Run of His Life. Mm-hmm. OJ versus the people. Wonderful book. Read it if you want to know about OJ. It's, I think, not that I've read all the books out there, but I think it's a very even approach. Like, perfect. You, it really leaves you to like figure out your own opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, a blood stained glove, a black knitted beanie, and a bloody footprint were found on the crime scene. So, detectives arrive at 5 a.m. And they start the whole process, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, you know, crime scene stuff. Yeah, crime scene stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And when they realize that one of the victims is the ex-wife of O.J. Simpson. So (laughs) then I'm going to say the things that I'm annoyed by. I feel like you'll be able to tell that I'm annoyed by them. Tell me. But we'll discuss them later. Okay. They send three, not one, not two, but three police officers to go to OJ's house to inform him of Nicole's hmm. murder. That's uh, not necessary. No, some people think that they thought OJ was in danger, like maybe whoever attacked her was going to attack him. But Possible. no, because in the testimony, the detective said, we went over there to inform him of Nicole's murder. So Right. So they weren't there to offer protection or anything like that or That might have been like an afterthought or people might like to say that to make themselves feel better about their opinions, but no. No. The testimony says that that's why they went over there with to no other inform yeah. him with three people. That's really aggressive. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. This is going to come up later when the defense team essentially argues that like he was had a target on his back from the very beginning. Like, look at this as an example. But we'll talk about that later. So, meanwhile, OJ made it to Chicago. He was in his hotel room when lead detective Ron Phillips called him to inform him of his ex-wife's murder. He's, oh, this is bad. So, OJ says verbatim, who killed her? <gasps> Not, oh. how did she die? Which a lot of people point out he didn't ask how did she die? Yeah. He was just like, oh, my God. 
oh my god, who killed her? Which I don't think is like that weird because I just don't love when people judge people's responses to really shocking things. Right. Like I I really don't love in the John Benet Ramsey case when people say like her mom's her mom's like 911 phone call is so weird and bizarre because it is, but like yeah, but then if it, she didn't do it, that is just her reacting to find it, or her daughter like being murdered in her basement, which exactly. is like how are you supposed to properly respond to something like that? So yeah, and it's always interesting. They always say, "Oh, well, people have different reactions to grief or different reactions to dramatic situations," and yet we react so poorly when someone has an odd reaction to yeah. a phone call, I'm which like, okay, I totally guilty of I will like do this all the time when I want to but <laughs> when I, like that's weird why, why do they say that like that yeah but at the same time when you really think about it it is kind of like just rude essentially to judge someone's response yeah. to a shocking event such as their ex-wife mm-hmm. mother of their children yeah. being murdered <laughs> yes I don't know yeah it, it's difficult to interpret something like that I and would a, agree with you a, yeah and then again if you want to argue that he's innocent which I like to do then you can say this is just another example of them having him as their suspect the whole time and making all the evidence fit their narrative from the sure. beginning yes it's all part of the prosecution's plot to make sure yes. that he looks guilty. Their plot. Yes. <laughs> so OJ comes home immediately and he's asked to come to the LAPD for questioning. And he agrees voluntarily and he does get interrogated. Well, interrogated. He gets questioned mm-hmm. for three hours before he's let go. But something important to note that happened during this interaction is that one of the police officers who arrived at his house when he like got home from Chicago and was like, hey, would you mind coming down for some questioning? Handcuffed him. I do remember this because there was a photographer that took a picture of him through a hedge yeah, some, or something. Someone, I don't know if it was that dramatic, but someone was being sneaky and got a photo. Yeah. Yeah. And this is important because that was not okay. No. And it's... Still not okay. You can't put someone in handcuffs that didn't do anything or you don't have evidence of doing anything yet. Yeah. And who's voluntarily coming down to talk to you. So this is like one of the first kind of tangible things we have of they're totally framing OJ yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Or they're already, it's not even like a frame job. It's like they're already assuming that he's guilty. Or it's yeah. a framing job. It could be both. <laughs> but like in reality, it just seems like I don't know. Like, well, they don't of, even have the innocence in the back of their brains. It's just sort of their totally. assumption happening. And I think that this was just this one cop because then his, like, supervising officer in the situation was like, oh, no, we'll get those handcuffs, handcuffs off of him. Like, stop yeah. it. But it did happen for, like, a minute. And mm-hmm. someone got a photo of it. And, and of course, that's, that's kind of all history. you need. Yeah. Yeah. You can't go back after somebody takes a picture of a brief moment of injustice. I mean... It'll go everywhere. Totally. So once they test the evidence, which I will tell you about later, they have enough to get an arrest warrant. And on June 17th, 1994, OJ is charged with two counts of first-degree murder. His attorney, Robert Shapiro, who famously defended Johnny Carson, Linda Lovelace, like all these famous people, he was like a famous defense attorney for getting people's cases plead or dismissed entirely. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, not having to endure a trial. Right. 
So Robert Shapiro made an agreement with the district attorney's office and the LAPD to bring OJ in himself so that he didn't have to be publicly arrested. They've already done this handcuffing thing. Like, right, he's already, already humiliating. He's already freaking out. And he's like, hey, we have a good relationship. I've never let you down. I'll bring OJ in. And they're like, okay, that's true. You, we, you've never let us down. They like <laughs> all work together. And so OJ <laughs> is like, no, thanks. <laughs> I think I'll pass. I'm good. And then the famous low-speed chase of OJ and the white Bronco ensues. I do know about this. So OJ was in the passenger seat, and his friend A.C. Cowlings was driving. So A.C. refuses to stop because OJ was, like, suicidal. He's, like, holding a gun to his head. And then they found a suicide note that he had written and, like, right. left at the house. Or he was actually staying at Robert Kardashian's house as, like, a hideout kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. they were they were best friends. And he was staying there ever since it came out that he was a suspect so that people wouldn't be... All over him. Yeah. So he was there and he... Um, Robert Kardashian actually found the suicide note and was, like assumed that he killed himself right so they're in the bronco and he's like i'm not gonna stop at all like ac is saying that he's like Mm -hmm. my friend's gonna shoot himself if i stop and like you need to back off like telling this to the cops so tom lang calls oj during the chase who he's a homicide detective on the case and he is saying no one's gonna get hurt you just need to come in and oj is like Basically saying, like, repeatedly how much he loved Nicole. He says that a lot. And then he says, at one point, I'm the only one who deserves to get hurt. I don't want to get hurt. And he's, like, apologizing for inconveniencing the whole LAPD and, like, the whole Mm -hmm. interstate of people who want to go places. Yeah. And he's just, like, a. it's a whole thing. It's, like, so dramatic. Right. So the chase finally ends at OJ's home. And he surrendered to the police at 8.51 p.m., So all is good, but then they find some super sketchy stuff in the Bronco. (laughs) So Uh they find a fake mustache and must like mustache glue. I don't know what that's called. What's that called? Spirit gum. Spirit gum. And then he had a gun. Well, obviously he was holding a gun to his head. Mm -hmm. And he had his passport and he had about nine thousand dollars. So OJ was like definitely gonna flee the country, which is just not a great look for someone trying to claim innocence. Probably not. <laughs> so everyone, the reason that um, the detective was able to call OJ and the reason we have all of that footage of the Bronco chase and the reason, that, so like the NBA finals were happening that night and every TV station ever just like was Followed like, him. nope, Bronco chase. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I don't think people were that upset about it either because it no. was like so exciting. Of course. But the reason that we have all of this is so it was pretty well known at this point that OJ was a suspect and it was becoming well known that OJ wasn't turning himself in and that he was like a fugitive. Mm-hmm. And so someone saw him driving in the Bronco and called uh, 911. Gotcha. And then the reason they were able to call AC is that AC called 911 and was like, back off like stop it yeah it's like, like leave us alone my friend is just trying to work some stuff out and he's gonna kill himself if you don't calm down yeah and then they were able to call him back so while the chase was happening like i said oj's um best friend robert kardashian found the suicide note in the note he has like a bunch of 
like warm fuzzies to all his friends and family, Mm -hmm. like individual nice things to say. And one quote from it, though, is he says, if we had a problem, referring to Nicole, it was because I loved her so much. Which is when you, which is like sweet, but then also when you know the connotation of their relationship is kind of weird. So I will tell you why that quote might be more sinister than it sounds when you just say it in part two. Fabulous. I love the drama of an interesting love story. So I'm I'm excited to know more about that because I don't know about their relationship really. Oh, excellent. Okay. (laughs) Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening. Bye.